Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Small-town punks struggling with gender dysphoria can feel like powder kegs with short wicks. Maddie Grace is an Ottawa-based, by way of Halifax, punk musician who's currently in bands such as Cluttered and Crisis Party. Since she was a child, Maddie can remember feeling extreme unease about how her biological sex didn't line up with her gender identity. Later in life, the punk scene empowered her to come out as trans during an incredibly tough time in her life. Looking back, Maddie's sure her depression would have been more manageable with more support from her family and access to the services she needed to understand why she was feeling so out of place and alone. While she hasn't ever expected punk rock and it seemed to be a magical wand for her depression and other mental health conditions, she knows that punk shows and playing music has always brought her relief. It's a place she can call her own. It's a place where she can be herself. My name is Maddie Grace. I use she, they pronouns. I'm a transgender neurodivergent punk. I've been involved in the punk rock scene my entire adult life. And through my youth growing up, I had a lot of feelings about gender and I was dealing with depression and I've received a late in life diagnosis for ADHD. And all of those things kind of coupled together, punk really allowed me to develop and foster a community within it and not just feel so alone and isolated. When you were young, do you remember first getting into punk rock? Oh, absolutely. A neighborhood kid had a copy of Dookie on cassette and I was eight years old and it was just instantly like, oh, this is the thing I want. This is what I want to do. And I grew up in rural New Brunswick. I grew up in a really small town that doesn't particularly push people into artistic pursuits, that doesn't normally push people into pursuits of their passions or things that are kind of outside of the box. You go to work, you get married, you have kids, you die, repeat. That's kind of the area I grew up in. So me being like a little 
nerdy, isolated queer kid being like, I don't know what to do with this, but this feels really good. Hearing a song like Basket Case or Coming Clean for the first time and like too young to actually know the context of what the songs were talking about as years went on, reading lyric sheets and going through that and then just being like, oh, this really spoke to me big time. So living in such a small town, and I can totally relate because I live in a small town as well, actually still live in this small town. How was that for you dealing with that in such a small town where I'm imagining it wasn't exactly welcoming to folks who are queer, uh, folks who are different, punks for that matter? No, I, I have the lovely intersection of the neurodivergent with the gender dysphoria with the being a punk. So I'm the Venn diagram at the center of that. And it was really not welcoming. It was not a I have early memories of being a little kid, like you don't know any better, you're, you're a little kid, you're new to the world, and you're trying to express yourself however you know how. And I remember like, people using like a hard F slur towards me and like, don't do that, it's too girly and don't do this. And so I just really repressed a lot of things. It took me a long time to cope with everything and come to terms with it all. So much damage had been done by like, not being able to embrace the person I was or the person I am. If you're six years old and somebody immediately is just like, there weren't many queer people where I grew up, but like if you were to see somebody and they would be like, oh, that's an abomination or that's gross or whatever. And then you're just like, I think that's what I am. Also, this was the early 90s. There wasn't a ton of representation other than in media in the way that Trans people were always represented as sex workers and deviants and all of that stuff. They weren't just acknowledged as being people. Yeah. I moved from my small town to Halifax in like 2004 and started being involved in the punk scene there. And that was where I met other queer people and gender diverse people and other punks and other people like me, even if I didn't have the words for it growing up, ideologically, I knew that something was not quite right with the small town mentality and growing up there. Halifax is not a big city by any means, but it was significantly bigger than where I grew up. So I really started to come into my own and it took a little bit of time. You know, it was a slow burn. Everybody's first bands are bad. <laughs> it takes a while before you like hit your stride, really punk rock in some cases for some people is that first step towards identity and finding themselves community support, being open, being not afraid to be themselves. Absolutely. Learning about Green Day and then kind of not really a punk band, but like Nirvana was a big influence on me growing up because it was accessible. And you start doing the trace back. A band like Nirvana is influenced by Black Flag. What's Black Flag? What's Minor Threat? And then you use all of those things and then you build a foundation where you like kind of know something about 
something. If you have a deep-rooted special interest in it and you want to learn everything about it, which I did and I do, it makes for an interesting time growing up for sure. When you find the thing that you're like passionate about and you're excited and everybody's just listening to radio rock and you've got your little cassette and you're just like, I don't want to tell you, but I want to tell you so bad. And then people will listen to it and be like, this is terrible. And you're like, it's not terrible. Like (laughs) there's merit to it. Were you seeing yourself reflected, your opinions, your identity, yeah. queerness? Were you seeing that reflected in punk rock? Because it is, like all forms of music, not very diverse. A lot of whiteness and a lot of maleness. Totally. And early on, there were some bands that I definitely did see elements of myself reflected in. And in the same breath, there was a lot of white dudes playing guitars. And with that... As time went on, I get to university and high school and I discover like Against Me and Lawrence Arms and Hot Water Music and all of those bands that I love and still cherish really deeply. And there's so much to those lyrics and there's so much to the whole package. Against Me always resonated super hard with me. And I never could quite put my finger on why. And then Laura came out and I was like, oh, we both have the same feelings. Obviously, everybody's experience is an individual experience, but like you have gender feels, I have gender feels. I actually used her coming out as a gauge to see how my friends would react when I came out. oh, I don't know if anybody's going to be cool with it because I had been involved in the punk and like the garage punk scene. And that's a lot of dudes. And that's a lot of dudes who like can be sweet boys, but you never really know how they're going to take something like, hey, this person you've known for so long and you've you've shared a bed with or you've shared like car rides with or whatever. Guess what? They're a lady and you have to deal with that. You have to deal with how that all goes. My mental health was has always been not well like it's much better now it's managed through medication and therapy but like it had always been a real big struggle for me and the time leading up to my coming out being like oh i'm trans this is who i am i'm going to do xyz this is what i'm gonna do the time leading up to that was a really tumultuous time in my life and was like really like a big struggle for my mental health Coming out on the other side of it, there are probably still some people who are like, she is kind of an asshole to me, but I guess she was dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was. Also, I'm sorry if I was ever an asshole to anybody. Like, never my intention. Sometimes the whole world feels so overwhelming and you feel out of place in your skin and you're not sure what to do. And the only thing that brings you relief is when you go to a punk show or you play a punk show or you like get to see your friends who are also playing in bands. Those are a lot of the big things. It just all kind of like circled around to a point. You mentioned the mental health struggles you're having before coming out. And this idea of someone coming out as queer or trans, it's this glorious thing where everything's going to be wonderful. And I don't think a lot of folks realize the mental health struggles that come with that before, after, during. It's really hard. 
Because there's so much emphasis put on the idea of passing politics. Oh, you're a trans person, but you want to pass as a cis person. I don't really care about that. Like, I just want to be acknowledged and respected as a human being. I don't really necessarily care if you, if you're like, oh, she's kind of girly or she's kind of feminine or whatever. Like, I don't really care. I just want to be like acknowledged for being a human, being a person and treated with the baseline amount of dignity that you could hope that comes with that. But yeah, the mental health aspect of it is really challenging, especially I found Halifax really like isolating and lonely. I write about that a lot through most of my material, through my bands, which right now are Cluttered and Crisis Party. Those are my two main bands. I write a lot about feelings of isolation or feelings of gender dysphoria or feelings that are like almost too big for me to tackle on my own. So I have to process them somehow through therapy or through journaling, which is not something I tend to do that often. I'm just trying to get back into it. I used to do it a lot and then something happened and I just stopped. The music I create is very autobiographical, even if it's not literally me being like, this thing happened to me, there's a metaphor throughout it and you can hear that. Going back to when you were young, because you talked about depression and gender dysphoria, I'm interested to hear the connection or relationship between the two. Did you later in life think that it was a comorbid Oh, absolutely. Condition or? Yeah, absolutely. If I had had the language, if I had had the support, I've had gender dysphoria since like as early as five or six years old. And if my parents would have known, if we would have had the supports in place, if all of those things, if, you know, in an ideal system, I think I would have been less severely depressed all the time because I was just like, I don't feel right in my body. Something is wrong. I don't have the words for it. Everybody is mean to me. I don't understand what I'm doing that's so wrong. Why my value is considered so much less than someone else's. The curse of the small town, it doesn't do you any favors. You tend to find the three other cool people in the small town and then you all just band together and then literally your friends 20 years on. We all left, like everybody escaped. I'm pretty sure I'm the only trans person that graduated from my high school the year I graduated. I'm pretty sure I was the only one in a grad class of 20 people or whatever it was. When you got to Halifax and got more involved with punk rock and playing in bands and meeting a lot of folks, maybe who you wouldn't see reflected in the small town, how much did that empower you to come out to feel like you could come out in a scene like that? It super did. There was a Halifax queer core band called Ecom Seekum that were like really rad. And I would make every effort to see every Ecom Seekum show. These are people I feel comfortable around. But at the same time, I was going to like the pop punk shows and then also going to like the hardcore shows and just trying to find a community, something where I felt kind of at ease. And that's kind of been the thing since I've been young is just searching for a way to ease this discomfort in my body. Not entirely successful all the time. That's the forever work in progress. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep trying to live. The number of times that depression almost got the better of me leading up to me coming out and even after coming out, it's not an uncommon thread. It's not an uncommon thing, but it just, it's really hard. People who come out and are just instantly like, 
glammed up and beautiful, they still get misgendered and they still get harassed in the street and they still get treated like shit. And when you don't really care about that, it's like you put yourself on hard mode a little bit. Playing in bands and playing music is just so therapeutic. I know for me, when I get a chance to play or jam or any of those things, I do go into another space where the depression and the anxiety and the manic thoughts and all these things that I deal with dissipate into this energy that I can use. I'm wondering how it has been for you as far as the relationship between playing and writing the music and your mental health. Oh, big same. This is going to sound silly. I don't feel like I'm performing. So much of like my life and so much of the life of a lot of gender diverse people is you're performing, whether it is femininity or masculinity, or you're performing for a society on some level. When we're just like hanging out or playing a show or whatever, I'm obviously performing. I'm playing music, I'm singing, I'm doing the thing, but I'm also like wholly authentic. I feel at ease in my body. I can just move however feels comfortable. I'm not overthinking it. Am I like, oh, is that too masculine? Is this too much? None of that stuff matters. It's literally just like, oh, I can be loud. I can make my guitar, make a bunch of feedback, and I can just hang out in that void of noise for like a minute. There's nothing better. We exchanged emails before this podcast and talked a little bit about ADHD, and I live with that as well. Fairly recently diagnosed, maybe about a year ago. What I find is that with my bipolar The ADHD really fuels it. And I'm wondering for you how the ADHD that you live with relates to your other challenges that you have. The big thing with my ADHD was it's always been there, but like getting it diagnosed was really challenging because I was never like the kind of person that was hyperactive or acting out. I was always a daydreamer and I couldn't focus. Room was always a mess and and all of that stuff. And so when I finally got diagnosed and put on a medication, it eased some things for me. It was like I took a layer off and I was like, oh, I can actually like go to therapy to talk about the stuff that's going on to deal with my depression. Depression would still be ramped up, but I was able to mitigate it a little bit better because there was a process running in the background that was helping me to function, really. I think the ADHD thing both like helps and hampers me. I'm, I write a lot. I find it weird to describe myself as a prolific person because I have low self-esteem, but like I write a lot and I put out a lot of material under different names, under different bands. I've been in so many projects. It's an obnoxious joke to my friends. What do you get when you start a punk band in whatever city Maddie's living in? Oh, you get Maddie Grace. But it's because that's what I wanted to do. And I think having ADHD has surprisingly helped some of that because I'm able to like multitask while still kind of keeping everything moving ahead and pushing forward a little bit. It's been really challenging though. Like getting a diagnosis was really hard. There's not tons of health resources in place. They still classify characteristics of ADHD symptoms as masculine and feminine. And I, I never got diagnosed because I only exhibited the feminine symptoms all the time. And they're like, how come this little kid Cause I'm a girl dummy. Like <laughs> that's why I'm exhibiting that. Also it's weird to like masculinize and feminize symptoms of something. We're all just people with yeah. brains. The DSM is a weird guide. So tell me a bit more about that because I've never heard oh. symptoms looked at as masculine and feminine. 
the masculine symptoms of like ADHD are like acting out and outbursts and the kid running around the classroom when you're little and you're just like, oh, a kid probably has ADHD because they're just running around and they're causing havoc. And then the other side of it is you can't focus or you lack ambition or you're lethargic or you daydream all the time. I always was a doodler. Like I would finish my work in school and then just draw over everything. Oh, that's absolutely a symptom. You're not focusing. You can't focus. You are incapable of doing that. Interesting that you mentioned the gendering of symptoms and it's just dawning on me. So thank you so much for mentioning that psychology course that I took last year really did that with every diagnosis. If the diagnosis is for a woman, then it means this. And that's really, really fucked up. I mean, I'm thinking it's back super to fucked up, super fucked up, has real world implications. I took a sociology course in university that literally just showed detransition videos the whole time. People who would regret transitioning. And I was just like, I spent the whole time just being like, why are you showing me this? And this was before I was out. I was just like, something about this feels awful. And it was like, oh yeah, because my teacher was a turf. That's what that was. This is a question I ask a lot of people and it yeah. can't really be answered. So it's kind of unfair to ask, but how do you feel about where you might be without punk rock? Oh, I'd be, I wouldn't be here. Not being dramatic, not being like, oh, woe is me. But it absolutely gave me a sense of community. It gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me an ideology to like help navigate systems that are meant to oppress people. We live in a capitalist system. You have to work a job. You have to pay your rent. All of these systems are not set up to actually serve people. Having something like punk rock and the ideology behind it, whether it is from like reading zines or having conversations with other people who have read more literature than I have. It really set a precedent for me that maybe it was possible to live an authentic life and like do it within the best of my abilities. Every day is a challenge and every day is a struggle. I can at least be like, I pursue music in a way that feels good or I, I'm not working a job because I love the idea of work. There's more to my life than that. If the system wasn't set up to fail us, maybe it wouldn't feel so hard all the time. And maybe other people would be more open to like having those pursuits, doing those things. I know that it is a constant point of contention between the people I know and love and how they navigate the world. How do I make this thing work? And it's really, really hard. That was my conversation with Maddie Grace, mattygrace.bandcamp.com. I now have a Tee Public store where you can buy Scream Therapy merch. So head over to screamtherapyhq.com, support the podcast, and get some fancy new duds. Big news over here in Scream Therapy land. The Scream Therapy book, Scream Therapy, A Punk Journey Through Mental Health, will be published this spring by Mansfield Press out of Toronto. 
The book features my story and the stories of others who use punk rock as a catalyst for mental health. To pre-order the book, go to ScreamTherapyHQ.com book. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. If you